Somebody say, he is worthy of my praise. Yeah, he's worthy. He's worthy. Stay standing with me for the reading of God's word. John chapter 2, uh, 20, excuse me, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 24. John chapter 20, verse 24. Say amen while you're there. And as you're going there, if you haven't already, you can pull up the Bible app. And a search for live over on the left-hand side and uh, click on events and you will see uh, CRC Belton, Crossroads Church there. You can have all the sermon notes there as well. If you're wondering what that is, just look over like you used to cheat in school, you know. Just glance over. It's all right. We won't tell anybody. And uh, make, look what your neighbor's doing. Just make sure they're in the right place on John chapter 20. If not, feel free to correct them in Jesus' name. All right. John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, somebody say this time. And this time, Thomas was with them. See, the first time, he wasn't with them. But this time, he was. He was with them. And the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he says to them, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Verse 28, he says, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed that Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today and I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for all you've done up to this point. But none greater than what you're about to do through your written word and your spoken word here today. Touch every believer, touch every non-believer, those with great faith, those with little faith, everyone in between, Lord. Those within the sound of my voice, Lord, as your word says in Hebrew, it would be as a double-edged sword piercing in the innermost parts of us, rightly dividing the word of truth today. We just thank you, God, for all that you've done and all that you're about to do. God's people said one more time, amen, so be it. Just one more time for me. Give God just a shout, a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We serve a risen king, amen. Well, we are in week two of our series, Breaking Bad. Now, next week is Easter. Uh, we had had a special guest. Uh, we had planned on being here, Dave Reaver, who we've had here before, a Vietnam War veteran and hero. You, many of you have seen him on television, and he's spoken uh, all over the world, and he has been in our church here. It's been a couple of years since he was here. We were going to have him back to speak on Easter. Uh, he was in an accident um, last week and injured his back, had to have emergency back surgery, so he won't be here. So you just get to hear me preach God's word Sunday, Easter. I hope that's okay. Amen. Man, but we're going to bring it anyways. And uh, we're going to be teaching uh, that Easter is a four-letter word, and that is hope, that there is still hope in Easter. Amen. There is still hope 
for, G- for those at the foot of Jesus at the cross. Anyway, so be looking for that. Plan on inviting someone. Let's fill this house up. Let's empty all of our seats and, and uh, make room for everyone that will be coming to, uh, to uh, hear God's word, some for the first time and um, maybe for their last time. You just never know. But bring somebody with you to the house of God next Sunday as we celebrate what God is doing uh, on Easter. Now, this Sunday, traditionally, it is Palm Sunday. That is the uh, Sunday before Jesus' resurrection, a week before uh, his death and his resurrection, excuse me. And, and uh, we're following chronologically in God's word. We're, we're not there this morning, but I hope to bring these two together if I can for the traditionalist in the house. Um, in years past, we have uh, we've kind of preached uh, a series that would lead us through like the, 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 the Via Della Rosa, right? Lead us all the way. Uh, from Jesus coming from Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where where it was Peter that said, you are the Lord. And and, and Jesus said, blessed art thou, uh, Simon, Peter, right? For this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father which is in heaven. And so from that moment forward, we would kind of traditionally teach and lead us into Easter, into the the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But this year we've taken a different path. But thinking along the lines of Palm Sunday, what I want to speak to you about this morning is something that will touch all of us. In fact, let me just lead off as I do every week, uh, just by bringing us together, because we all come from different backgrounds. We all have uh, different degrees. We have different careers. We're at different places in our lives. Some of us are in the same place. Some of us are different. We have white people, black people, brown people, uh, yellow, black, and brown, you know, and, and we have uh, all, all skin colors. You know, everybody's here. We're just different people, but our common denominator here this morning, regardless of the color of our skin or the degrees that we have on our wall or our, our job in life or whatever side of the tracks that we come from, our common denominator here in life in, in this room today is that we've all experienced disappointment. Did somebody shout me to who am I talking to today in the house? Disappointment. What do we do when we're disappointed with life? What do we do when life doesn't turn out our way. When I think about Palm Sunday, I think about I think about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. He would be back a week later. <laughs> he came in this triumphal entry came in through the eastern gates. By the way, those same gates today are locked and closed because the Jews are saying, "No, no, no, the real Messiah will come through those gates." Well, he did, and he will also come back through them once again someday as it tells us in Revelation. But they've got them all blocked up. There's other gates that are open when you walk into the old town of Jerusalem, uh, the old city, the city of David. But those gates are locked shut, sealed tight. Uh, but that was the gates that Jesus walked through. And as you, if you've ever traveled there, it's a beautiful place to look down the mountain uh, of, of uh, as you're looking into uh, Jerusalem. And uh, as you're looking down at that city, and we see the prayer where Jesus would have prayed on the side of the mountain the night that he was betrayed and so this, this triumphal entry, this is Jesus, the king of, of Israel, Jesus, the king of Nazareth. This is Jesus, uh, the son of God, the lion of Judah, uh, having his, his, his moment in the spotlight. If, if it were, we could play along, his 15 seconds of fame were right here, summed up in this moment. That Jesus comes in this triumphal entry. The Bible says they took palm leaves, which is why we get Palm Sunday, and they laid them at his feet, and he came riding in on a colt. Colt is, by the way, used, a term used to define uh, this animal that had never been ridden. 
And uh, it was the first time it had been written. And Jesus came riding in on this colt. It was a triumphal entry. And they were praising him. They were singing like we sang, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were worshiping and shouting. And it was like, a, it was a, it was like a, you know, you can imagine a rock star nowadays. People lining the streets to see Jesus, praising him. By the way, these would be the same people a week later that would be shouting, crucify him. How many just say in one breath, how many know that the same people that praise you can also be the same people that want to kill you? But that's a whole other message anyways. We won't go there. You know, your fans become your critics overnight sometimes in life. But can you imagine Jesus and his disciples, they come walking through his entourage. He's got his disciples and Jesus comes leading in. This is his moment. This was prophesied. This this had to happen. Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel had talked about this moment. Jesus had already filled so much prophecy. He's just going through fulfilling even more prophecy. And here he comes riding in on this colt. And he comes into the gates, if you can imagine. Go back with me over 2,000 years ago. And, and just you're, you're part of the crowd. And Jesus is coming. And you're screaming. And you're shouting. Maybe you're one of them that's laying a palm leaf down. And here's the Messiah. Here's the Son of God. And, and they're beginning to shout. And they're beginning to praise. And you're Thomas, right? And, and here's Thomas. He's one of the 12 disciples. He's in the inner crowd. I mean, this is Thomas. And he's one of the disciples. And and he's there, and he's watching this moment happen. And then a week later, he's there to witness Jesus go to the cross and to die and to give his life for not just the 12 disciples, but for all of mankind, for you and I. And then after his death, Jesus is in the grave for three days. What I like to say, taking care of business. Elvis didn't invent that, by the way, that phrase, TCB. Come on, somebody. That's old enough to know what I'm even talking about. <laughs> Elvis didn't invent taking care of business. Jesus did. So for three days, while Jesus was, was walking through eternity, snatching the keys of death in the grave from the devil, saying, hey, those belong to me. Somebody got your keys in your pocket? Rattle your keys for me. Rattle your keys for me. Come on, somebody. Come on, let me hear. Everybody get your keys out. I had planned on doing this. Let's have a little fun with it. Come on, everybody get your keys out. Let's rattle them loud enough you can hear it on the podcast. All right. That's what Jesus did three days. When the world said he was dead, while his body was growing cold, his spirit was very much alive. And he was fighting for you and I in the depths of hell. And he was fighting for you and I in eternity. And the Bible says he came toe to toe. I'm embellishing here. It was a boxing match. You know, he came toe to toe, fist to fist with the devil. And he said, you've got some stuff that belongs to me. Hand it over, sucker. Hand it over. That, that stuff belongs to me. The grave can't hold me. You thought you had me in the grave, but guess what? Life is about to come back into that mortal body, and I'm going to be resurrected. And everyone that dies in my name from here forward will have a resurrected body and now stand with me in eternity. Are you with me today, church? And so Thomas, Thomas and the disciples, they, they, after Jesus' body had been taken, they began to scramble apart. They didn't know what to do. They had lost their leader, their fearless leader, the one that gave them commands. He told them when to sit and when to rise, when to go get the fish, and when to come and cut the fillet of the fish. He told them when to pay the taxes, and they, he told them when to heal someone. He was giving them directions. They were lost without a leader. 
They were disappointed in life. I want us, if we can, put our imagination hat on for a moment and think of yourself being Thomas. Now, historically, what do we refer to Thomas as? Somebody shout it out. Doubting Thomas. There we go. Doubting Thomas. It was Doubting Thomas. But Thomas is known for some other famous things, by the way, in the Bible, not just for doubting. Doubting Thomas is how he's gotten this name because he doubted his friends when they said that Jesus was alive. So, Thomas, can you imagine? You're, there's, there, well, there's 11 of you now. There were 12 of you. Judas has already hung himself, and he's out of the picture. He's been voted off the island. There's 11 of them. Numbers are dwindling quick. And you're Thomas, and the disciples say, all right, you know what, Thomas, you drew the short straw, run out to a Taco Hill, I mean Taco Bell, and uh, go get us some matzahs and whatever, some pita bread, and we're going to have us a meal. I don't know why Thomas wasn't in the room, but Thomas wasn't in the room. And Jesus showed up in his resurrected foreign body. Thomas comes back with the food. He notices something different about him. They look like they've seen a ghost. And they're like, you're not going to believe it. not going to believe it. I can't even tell you. I can't even believe it. You weren't here. Would somebody just tell me what's going on? You ever been in a room and you felt like everybody was talking about you? Right? You missed out on something. Like, why is everybody laughing? Are they laughing at me? Why is everybody laughing? See, like you're laughing now. I'm like, is everybody laughing at me? I don't know. And, and Thomas is in the room. And he's, he's standing there and says, what's going on? And, and they begin to say, Thomas, Jesus was just here. And, and he showed us his hands. And he, he, he lifted up his cloak. And we could see his side where he was pierced. And we saw uh, the marks of where the crown of thorns was on his head. And, and he, was, he was here. And Thomas says, there's no way he was here. All hope is lost. For three days we've been grieving. For three days we've been wondering what we're going to do. For three days we've been wondering if we're next. Because the threat was not just against Jesus. The threat was for all of his followers. The threat continued after Jesus ascended into heaven. Read the book of Acts. The threat increased. So they're hiding. They're wondering, man, are they coming for my head next? Am I going to be the next one laying on a cross? I mean, and they're, they're worried. They're fretting. They're disappointed. They're frustrated. And here is Thomas, man. Can you imagine? Unbelievable, Jesus. Really? Man, I've got terrible timing. He's probably saying, I'm not going to go play the lottery. If I'm Thomas, I've got bad luck. Jesus just showed up. I want to show you in this story about disappointments. How many have ever been disappointed before? How many, with your other hand, things sometimes in life, it hasn't gone your way? I want to share with you a time that, that I was disappointed. There have been many times in my life that are, I'm going to stay on the lighter side because I promised myself I won't cry. Um, in all seriousness, I, I'm going to stay on the lighter side because I don't want to get all choked up. There, there's been some serious things that I could share with you where I've been disappointed. There, I look across this room because I've been a part of this church for over 22 years, going on 23 years. And a lot of us have walked through a lot of stuff together. When I look at some of the faces of the people that have been here that long or even longer, or you've come in somewhere in between, we've walked through, <laughs> losing this thing up, a lot of stuff together, haven't we? Look at your neighbor and say, but we're still here. We're still here. Maybe we're limping, <laughs> but we're still here. You know what I mean? You know, life maybe gotten the best of me at times. But what does it mean to be disappointed and frustrated with life? And 
what do we do, church, when life doesn't go our way? When we've laid out our best plans, when we've strategized, and life just doesn't go our way, what do we do? Where do we turn? How do we get through it? How do we navigate this, this part of life? It's a challenge, and it can be tough at times. When I think about disappointment, I think about being broken down. Have you ever been traveling in a car and the car is broken down before? I want to share a quick story. Two years ago, we were traveling back from uh, Vernon, Texas. Now, how many have ever heard of Vernon, Texas before? Obviously, few of you. I'm sorry that you even know where that's at, but Vernon, Texas. Now, this is where my mom grew up, and she's not even here today, so I can bash it. But she has three brothers. One of them has passed away, and we were up there for, we were in Vernon, and he's in a smaller town called Chillicothe, Texas. So, yeah, like just the dust, that's the only thing that goes through Chillicothe is, is dirt and tumbleweeds. And, um, but it's a, sm- it's a small town. It's a small town, and how small is it? Was it the town is so small that the, the local Motel 6 actually sleeps 6. Um, it was so small uh, the local hospital is called hosp- uh, local hospital is called the hospital in Joe's Grill and Bar. It's so small. Well, in order to paint traffic lines, they had to widen the roads. I mean, that's just how small it was. All right, listen, it's a small town. Vernon is a small town. When you're going through Vernon, there's there, there's there's a funeral home there, and uh, some rednecks and some tractors and some farmers. That's about it. All good things, by the way. And my mom's older brother, uh, she has two brothers that live in that area. Her older brother passed away two years ago. We were up there. And he had a very successful trucking business. And, well, they trucked everything from peanuts. And they had these huge combines. He was a farmer. And they would go on harvest for six to eight months out of the year. They had these huge combines with these 36-foot headers on it. And they could take out wheat and, and process wheat through their trucks and their grains and just big equipment. And that's what they do. They travel the country. And they would harvest farmland and peanuts and different things for, for ranchers and farmers. And so we went up there for the, uh, for the funeral, uh, of course, really to support my mom. So John, my brother, and his family went, his, his girls, and Holly and I and our kids went. And my, my parents were there, our immediate family. And we all took three cars. I, I still don't know why to this day that we took three separate cars, but we just did. And um, so we, had, we were in my avalanche at the time, my truck. And uh, we're, so we're, we're driving back. The funeral is over. We're driving back home. Yep, this is past Wichita Falls, by the way, to give you a picture where Vernon's at. It's a long way out in the middle of nowhere. And so we're driving from Vernon. We're coming into Wichita Falls. And I'm, I'm the last car in, 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 the, in the motorcade here, right? And, um, and so as we're driving, uh, I've got the cruise set. And the cruise kicks off. I smell something burning. And it, the truck loses speed. And and it starts slipping a little, and I was like, this is not good for the home team. And so I pull over really quick, and I told Holly, he's like, look, call, start calling my mom, start calling my brother, because they're our ride. <laughs> We're going to need a ride. I'm not pushing this thing all the way back. So, man, we pull over, and I'm looking under, there's oil coming from under there. I, I'll be the first, man. I'm not a mechanic, but I know enough to know that when stuff is leaking where it shouldn't leak from, something is wrong. But being the man that I am, you know, I took my clothes off. Well, I took clothes off, but I, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, uh, my man, <laughs> I, and I, I took my jacket off, 
we need to edit that in the podcast. I took my jacket off and all that, and, and I got in there, act like what I'm doing. I'm like, honey, it's going to be fixed. You know, give me a hammer and a saw, you know, and ding, ding, ding. And obviously I couldn't fix it, but we were broken down. We were broke as a joke. We were broken down literally in the middle of nowhere, just the north side of Wichita Falls. So we, thank God we paid for towing on our insurance, and I called them. They sent a tow truck. Well, while this is going on, I mean, there's, there's all of us are there, and I was like, look, there's no point in us having all the kids here Holly and the kids, you load up with my parents and my brother, and y'all go into Wichita Falls, and you go eat, and I'll, I'll, I'll stay here and suffer for the family. I'll, be the, I'll take the bullet for everyone, okay? I'll be the martyr. Everybody say, aw. Thank you. So I did what any good father would do. I was a martyr. Everybody went on, and they had an amazing meal or whatever, and I found a Sonic across the highway. I walked over to Sonic, and I'm like a loner over there eating by myself, and, you know, they're like, what's this weirdo doing over here? And so um, you're not from around here, are you? And so, finally, a tow truck comes, and he tows, tows my truck in, and um, the diagnosis was, your, your transmission's completely gone. You need a whole new transmission. Well, we had insurance to cover that as well, so thank God for that. And so, short end of the story was, though, being broken down is not a lot of fun. If you've ever been broken down somewhere, especially in the middle of nowhere, it can be scary. It can be frustrating. It's disappointing to be broken down. Because when you're broken down, if you're in a vehicle that's broken down, I mean, you feel really helpless or useless. I mean, we're not, we're, we, we hate walking from a parking lot into a building. I mean, some of us will circle for hours to get a front spot. I mean, we'll have a stare down. You've seen it before. Like, you see a car coming, you're coming, you're like, oh, all the love of Jesus just went out of the car. And you're like, I'm going to run them over quick, cover up the crossroad sticker on the back of the car. I love Jesus. <laughs> And you fight for that parking spot. I don't want to have to walk 20 extra feet. Are you kidding? Kidding me? Or, or I love people that say this. Oh, well, we need the exercise. Y'all ever said that? You park far away? Well, we need the exercise. We need more than exercise. But at any rate, man, just being broken down, it can be frustrating. But what happens to us, church, when we're broken down emotionally? What happens when we're disappointed in life and life doesn't go our way? What happens when we have laid out plans and we've tried to process those plans? We've tried to do our best to make certain plans happen for our life. Watch our kids grow up to be something, and, and, and they make choices that lead them down a path, and we're disappointed with the choices they made. Or what happens when we've, we've done all we can to live a healthy life and sickness comes on us, and we're disappointed that God hasn't healed us when we, we expect him to heal us or hasn't healed, him, healed me by now? We're just all disappointed when, when our marriage hasn't worked out the way we thought it would work out. And we're frustrated with the marriage. We're disappointed with the marriage. We're just, we all have been disappointed before. Maybe you're in a, a state of life right now where you're disappointed. Life isn't going your way. Life just isn't going your way. First, let me say today and burst your bubble that life isn't all about you. I love you enough to tell you that life isn't all about you, baby. The universe does not revolve around you. You are not the sun. And all the planets and everyone in life is not saying, how can we fit in your world today? Did you know that if you have a bad day, the world still turns? Did you realize if you have a bad day, cars are still going to drive by on the highway and honk and try to run you off the road? If you have a good day, the same. Are you with me today, church? Whether you're having a good day or a bad day, whether life is going your way or it's not going your way, 
life goes on. Life is not always about us. But in our disappointment, all we see is our disappointment. And then what we do, what we start doing, we start asking God questions. Why, why, why? The why questions. Those kinds of questions that are trap questions. I call them trap questions. I think the enemy gets us to ask them to get us in a mental state where we become vulnerable before the enemy because we start doubting God, start doubting if he's real. We start saying things like, oh, yeah, God, if you were real, let me see you. Let me hear your voice. Let me see your hands. Let me see your sight. If you were real, boom, there would be a flash of lightning and you would stand before me and you would speak. Can I just tell you, church, if God actually stood before you right now and you heard his voice, you'd fall dead. That's what the Bible says. No man shall see me and live. So, God, let me pre-pray all of that. Don't necessarily show up in front of me, you know. But here's what I'm saying is we get disappointed in life and we're frustrated with life. We're frustrated sometimes with the appointment in our assignment in life. Many of you are working at a job that you know does not best fit your giftings and your talents, but it's your assignment. Let me say that again. You may have a job that you clock into that you run a machine, that you process papers, you, you run a program, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you work in the, the uh, healthcare industry, maybe you work on an assembly line, whatever it may be. And your assignment in life is leaving you disappointed because you're frustrated in that you don't get to use all the giftings and talents that you have. And you're saying to God, God, why do you have me in this place when I'm gifted and talented over here, but you've got me over here? And what we do, church, is we allow the assignment to define us rather than God defining who we are. My assignment does not define who I am. There are seasons in life. Now, whether my whole life I will be a pastor, I don't know. I know this much, the season that I am in now, I'm a pastor. Now, if that season lasts for five years or 10 or 20, I, I don't know. I'm not God. I don't know what God's. Are you with me today, church? So what season are you in? Be faithful, first of all, in the assignment that you're given. Be faithful with your assignment that you're given. It's okay to be gifted and talented in other ways. You know, you might be up here playing an instrument and you can sing Justin Bieber out of the room, man. You can sing. All of these, all these people out of the room, these stars that, you know, when you really hear them in concert, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They need to put them back in the recording booth, you know. And you ever done that? Ever heard someone live on TV? You're like, what? Is that really them? It's like somebody's screeching. It's like herding cats up there. It doesn't sound like the record at all. But listen to me, church. You can play an instrument. You can sing. And you know you got talents. But, but God's got you on an assembly line because that's your assignment disappointment. Well, we've all been disappointed. We have a video that we want to show you. I think this sums up really well what disappointment looks like.
<laughs> you guys seen that video before? I love it. I, I had seen that Roxy had shown me that video a while back, even last year. And then when I was thinking about, man, what could we use to illustrate what we're talking about? I remember that video. I was like, that was a disappointed dog. And sometimes we look like that when we're disappointed. <laughs> because it was what? What does disappointed mean? It, here's the definition of disappointed. It's not satisfied, unhappy because something was not as good, attractive, or satisfactory as expected, or because something hoped for or expected did not happen. Disappointed, disappointed, broken. Let me read you the definition of broken. Reduced to fragments, fragmented, ruptured, torn, fractured, not functioning, functioning properly, out of working order. You ever feel like sometimes that you're broken? Can we leave that up there for a moment? Broken. That I'm torn. I'm fractured. I'm not functioning properly. I, I'm out of working order. I've been reduced to fragments. I've been, it's fragmented. I'm broken. It's, I'm disappointed. What do I do when I'm disappointed? Where do I turn when I'm disappointed? What, 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 is, what happens next when I'm disappointed? Can I tell you that you're not alone in your disappointment? You're not alone if you're disappointed in your assignment. Listen, God did not call us to like our assignment. He just called us to be faithful with our assignment. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, be faithful in your assignment. I know you may be gifted and talented over here, but until you're faithful over here with your assignment, he won't release opportunity for you to flourish in your giftings and your talents. Are you with me today, church? Because here's what happens. If we become to love the giftings and the talents more than the assignment, we, we won't do the assignment. We'll try to skip ahead. It's like in school, right? Our kids are assigned assignments for that particular grade, that particular moment to finish that assignment. Once they're done and they've shown that they can complete that assignment and be successful with that assignment, they move to the next assignment. Are you with me today, church? When we can show God that we're faithful with our assignment. So what is your assignment? Well, listen, first of all, if you're like, let's say for all the stay-at-home moms in here, that's your job. That's your assignment is to be a stay-at-home mom. My word for you today is to be the best stay-at-home mom this world has ever seen. Keep your house as clean as it can be. Keep things ready for your, for your husband when, when he comes home. Have it ready. Be the best single mom. Take care of your kids. Keep them well-fed. Keep the house clean. Uh, 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 run, run a good operation at home. If, if you're a dad in here, you're a mom, or you're someone here, you're working two or three jobs, and that's your assignment, and, and you're not even gifted or talented, but it's just, it's just a way to make ends meet, and you don't like it, you're not in love with it, and all you do is complain about your boss, and you're, you're the worst critic the world has ever seen, and you're just constantly complaining about all the people around you. I wonder if they're constantly complaining about you. <laughs> While you're talking about them, maybe they're busy talking about you, but what if you were to walk into your job tomorrow and say, God, I thank you for this assignment. You must love me and trust me enough that you put me in this hellhole, <laughs> that you've assigned me to this dark part of the world. I must be the only light in this place. So, God, I thank you that my light today will shine like it's never shined before. Amen? And I'm going to be faithful. Yeah, give God a praise. And I'm going to be faithful with my assignment. You know what, church? Next time you're disappointed with life when life hasn't turned your way, you know what, it's, what if we did this today? Why don't we start turning the tables on the devil? 
Who's with me today? Who's, who's really fed up? No, no, no. I'm not talking about the person just hyped in the moment right now. But I mean something deep down in you. You're just kind of sick of devil playing with you. I mean, you, you feel a fight all of a sudden coming up in you. you there's, you're like as a new wind been given to you. There's a fresh breath that's been given to you. And you say, oh, Pastor, man, I, I'm ready to turn the tables today. Can I tell you the word that God shared with me just to, just to wrap all this up? Isaiah 64, 8, it says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Martin Luther King Jr. made this quote, We must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. There's going to be disappointments in life, but there's always hope in Jesus Christ. Our God is a God of the turnaround. Look at your neighbor and say, Get ready to turn around. No, no, no. Say it like you mean it. Get ready. Get ready to turn around. I believe God is getting ready to turn things. He's turning it around. God, turn things around. God's getting ready to use the turnaround on you. Any marriage, any career, any helpless situation, he can turn it around. We serve a God of the turnaround. You can be loving God, serving God, tithing, serving in every ministry that we have at CRC and still be disappointed and still be frustrated. It, it isn't one thing to come in here, worship God, and lift both hands and do it in frustration. Isn't it powerful when you're praise, when you're when you're living in disappointment, but you find a way to stretch your hands toward heaven and say, God, I know it doesn't even feel right to my flesh, but I'm going to praise you anyways. In fact, I'm going to wave my hands and I'm going to jump up and down. I'm going to let the devil know that even in my disappointment, even in my frustration, you're still a God of the turnaround because you're still worthy of my praise. Regardless of what I see, regardless of what I hear, regardless of what I feel, I don't walk by sight i walk by faith because you're turning things around stand with me all across this place look at your neighbor and say get ready for the turnaround come on i mean who's ready for the turnaround stretch your hands toward heaven Come on, stretch your hands toward heaven. I don't know what God's about to do in this place, but you better get ready. The Lord says, get ready. Come on, somebody, just stretch your hands toward heaven. Let your religious go. Let the religious spirit go and say, God, I want to turn around. You've got to turn things around. You've got to turn things around. Turn my marriage around. Turn my finances around. Turn my health around. There's got to be a turnaround, Jesus. There's got to be a turnaround, Jesus. There's got to be a turnaround, Jesus. There's got to be a turnaround. Come on, cry out to him, church. Lord, turn things around. Turn my situation around. Turn it around, Jesus. Turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around. I believe, God. Lord, I don't have to touch your hands. I don't have to see your side to know that you're still the God of the turnaround. Jesus. Sing it out. He's the God of the turnaround. Watch him pray.
heads bowed and our eyes closed all across this place as we do every Sunday and take care of business this morning. If you're here today, Pastor Matt, if I, were to, if I were to leave this planet today, if today were to be my last Sunday, my last day on this earth, and there's a doubt in my heart, I, I, I want to know for certain that I would make heaven my home. And right now, I'm not. You want me to remember you in my prayer just a moment. Would you raise your hand? You can put it right back down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't wait. Move quickly. Move quickly. Raise a hand. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. I want to be ready. 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 Thank you. Anyone else? I want to be ready. I want to be ready, Jesus. Let's be ready, church. Anyone else? I feel like I'm waiting for somebody else. I want to be ready. Amen. I want to be ready. Everyone pray this prayer for me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. And in three days, you rose from the grave and sit at the right hand of God the Father. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming alive for me. I believe all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So be a prayer of the Lord of praise. Oh, praise the one. Oh, praise the one.